This week I was reading about a man. He was going through a number of afflictions in his life. He had lost his job. He was on the edge of financial ruin. He had lost some family members. And he was kind of uh, at a point in his life where he was at rock bottom. And he didn't know what he was going to do next. He didn't know what was going to take place in his life. It just seemed like one thing after another continued to happen in his life. And he was walking along and he was just thinking about wondering if there was a way that he was going to be able to step off of this crazy thing, this crazy merry-go-round life that he was in the midst of. And as he walked through the city, he came to a cathedral that was being built. And as he watched the workmen work, he couldn't just help but stand in awe of what was taking place before him. And as he watched, there was a a man doing work on a stone, and he was uh, quite a ways up on the building. But as he watched the man with his chisel and with his hammer, he saw that this man was taking great care and making sure uh, of every last detail being worked out in this stone as he was setting it in place. And the thought went through his mind, why does this man even care about the details and about how those things are being worked out. It, it doesn't seem like it's, it's even worth his time. But then he realized the intricacies that were being done and the care that he was taking. And as he thought about the intricacies and, and the care that was being taken, he found himself bowing his head in prayer. And he thanked God for the trimmings and for the carvings that God was doing in his life. Thanking, for the, thanking God for the way God was shaping him with great care so that he could be placed in the place that he needed to be. Difficult for us to look at affliction in a way like that. We don't often see it as a shaping process or as a refining process in our lives. This morning we are continuing journeying through the book of Thessalonians And this morning we find ourselves at 1 Thessalonians 3. And this morning we want to examine those first five verses. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And as we pause in this passage and as we look at this, we see Paul's great concern for the church of Thessalonica. And we see Paul sharing with them and reminding them that this time of affliction was something that was promised them. It was something that they were going to have to endure. And it was going to be something that would shape them for future ministry. Open your Bibles this morning to 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 1, if you're not there already. I'm going to read it aloud, and I'm going to allow you to follow along with me in your copy of the Scriptures. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 1 says this, Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. 
Now, as we look at these five passages this morning, these five verses, excuse me, as we look at these five verses uh, this morning, there are three headings that we're going to use to kind of steer us through this. Uh, The first thing we see is Paul's plan in verses 1 and 2. In verses 3 through 4, we see Paul's plea. And then in verse 5, we see Paul's purpose. Before we dive into this this morning, let's just pray for a moment. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given to us, and we thank you for this opportunity that we have just to be able to be in your word and to look into your word. And I pray this morning, Lord, as we look into your word, your word would look into us. I pray that you'd open our hearts, that you'd open our minds, and that you would feed us and that you would nourish us this morning. You know how our week has been. You know what our week is going to look like this week. So we pray, Lord, that in our time together, that you and you alone would be glorified. So speak to our hearts, Lord, as you speak through your word this morning. Just take my mind and heart and tongue, Lord. Allow me to share that what you'd have us to hear. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. The first thing we want to look at this morning as we look at this passage is Paul's plan. Look at verse 1 with me. It begins with the word therefore. You know, when we look at the word therefore, we often have to ask the question, what's it there for? Uh, therefore, as we look at what Paul has been sharing in verse 2 or chapter 2, as we looked at it last week, we see that Paul is, is making a point here in chapter 2. And this therefore ties his point from chapter 2 in with what he's continuing to share here. Obviously, when Paul was writing this letter, he he didn't break it here and say, okay, this is verse 1 of chapter 3. Uh, he just wrote this as a letter, but he was making a defense in chapter 2. Look at verse 17 with me of chapter 2. It says, but since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Paul shared how much he longed to see them. He shared with them how his heart was burdened to be back with them. He wanted to be face-to-face with them, to continue to teach them so that they could continue to grow. He was concerned about their spiritual health. He was concerned about their spiritual stability. And he wanted to make sure that they would be able to stand strong in the midst of the affliction that they found themselves in. He wanted their faith to be strengthened. And so Paul, because of that, eagerly wanted to return to them and continue to help them in their growth process. He didn't want to just leave them on their own, but he wanted to help them to grow in that process. Now, verse one says, therefore, when we could bear it no longer. So Paul, as he was thinking about them and their need to grow, he was anxious about seeing them grow. And it came to that point where he could just bear it no longer. Now, as we look at Paul, we know that he wasn't just sitting idly by, twiddling his thumbs, hoping the gravitational pull lined up all of the planets just right so that things would fall into place. He wasn't doing that. He was eager and he was making efforts to find a way to go and to minister to them. We saw this in verse 18 last week. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but I was hindered 
by Satan. He wanted to do it again and again. He didn't just try once and say, oh, sorry about your luck. He was trying other avenues to get there and to be with them because he was burdened by it. And it got to that point where Paul could just wait no longer. He could Something had to be done. He just couldn't sit back idly any longer. It says there in verse 1, therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy. Paul wanted to be there. Paul wanted to go and to share with them. But it got to that point where Paul knew that something had to be done. And Paul wasn't going to be able to go back and minister to them. So what he decided to do and what the group decided to do was to send Timothy back there instead. And Paul was willing to wait in Athens while Timothy went back and saw how the people of Thessalonica were doing. It was heart-wrenching for Paul as he did that. But you know why Paul was in Athens? He didn't sit and twiddle his thumbs then either. We see in Acts 17, verse 16, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. So Paul, in this moment, was not sulking and saying, woe is me. Satan was hindering him and he couldn't go back to Thessalonica and minister to Thessalonica. He said, what are we going to do? I'm going to send Timothy there. It'll be safe for Timothy. It'll be safe for the people of Thessalonica if Timothy goes and I'll remain in Athens. And you know what? God has opened a door for me for another mission field. And once again, it says that he went to the synagogues, ministered to the Jews and the devout persons in the marketplace every day with those who were there. This has been Paul's uh, blueprint for every city that he goes into. And so Paul, as he's in this city, he's not just saying, oh man, the life is so rough. He takes care of the people of Thessalonica like his heart wants him to, like God would have him to do, and then he seeks to bloom where he's planted. This is an opportunity for him to be sharing. And that's what we see him doing. And so it's such an amazing thing as we see this, that even though Paul was at this point and, and frustrated and could have been discouraged, he continued to plug on. He continued to move forward. And there was an open door as he looked around and saw all of the statutes and all of the idol worship. And as this continues, he found an idol that was made to the unknown God. And he said, hey, that's my opportunity. I know the unknown God. And he began to share with them about Jesus Christ. Now we look at Paul sending Timothy. And we may wonder, why Timothy? Why would he send Timothy here back? It says in verse 2, We sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ. So Timothy was a co-worker with Paul. He worked alongside of Paul, ministered with Paul, and really grew up in his relationship with God under Paul's ministry. And so as Paul was pouring into the different churches and helping those different churches grow, 
Timothy is also being poured into, and Timothy is also growing. It was during Paul's second missionary journey that Timothy uh, came in and, and to join Paul's missionary team. It says in Acts 16, verse 1, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And they went on their way through the cities. They delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith. And they increased in their numbers daily. So as Paul went to those churches and ministered, the focus of his ministry was strengthening them and their faith. And as he comes, he hears about this young man named Timothy. And everybody that was in the church there began to speak about Timothy. And gave. Uh, they saw the spiritual growth that was going on in, in Timothy. And they gave account of that. They recognized it. And Paul recognized it as well. There were chances were pretty good that Timothy probably came to know Christ during Paul's first missionary journey. And when Paul returned to uh, strengthen that church, he saw that Timothy was growing in his relationship, and he decided that he wanted Timothy to come with him. And so Timothy came with him. And as Timothy came, and as he worked with Paul, there were a number of times when Paul sent Timothy to visit some of those churches. And as Paul sent Timothy to those churches, his mission was to strengthen those churches. It says in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, For who sees anything different in you, what you have that you did not receive, if when you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Uh, Philippians two nineteen, Paul says this, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. I have no idea why 1 Corinthians 4, 7 is there. But Paul sent Timothy to Corinth. It shouldn't be 4, 7, it should be a different verse, but anyway. Uh, Paul sent Timothy to Corinth to strengthen the church in Corinth. And Paul also sent Timothy to Philippi, and Paul and Timothy went to Philippi to strengthen the church in Philippi. Paul, as he sent Timothy to Philippi to strengthen the church in Philippi, he shared this about Timothy. He says in verse 20 of Philippians 2, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, but those for, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. So Paul is sending Timothy back to Thessalonica because Paul, Th Timothy can do what Paul would have done himself. So Timothy had grown up and been shaped under the, under the leading of Paul. And as a disciple, he was able to go and to minister there in Thessalonica. And we see his purpose back in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 2 again. It says this, We sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, 
to establish and exhort you in your faith. Paul sent Timothy to establish and exhort. This word that's used here for establish carries the idea of make someone firm, to make something firm or to make something solid. Paul sent Timothy to Thessalonica to make them solid. So that when all of the difficulties were coming, that they would be ready, that they would be able to stand when all of that stuff came their way. The word exhort that's used here, that's translated exhort, carries the idea of coming alongside, of helping someone. And this is what Paul wants Timothy to do, is to go back and strengthen them, to firm them up, to come alongside of them and make them strong. Because they needed to be strong in their faith. When the persecution came, they couldn't be wishy-washy. They had to be strong in their faith. And that's what Paul told the church of Corinth. The, Paul, the church of Corinth was a wishy-washy, stay, a wishy-washy church. Uh, when things came their way, they just accepted them and moved with them. They didn't stand firm on what Paul had taught them. And Paul told the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13, Be watchable. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. That was what Paul told the church of Corinth. And this is what Paul wants Timothy to do for the church of Thessalonica. Help them to stand firm in the faith. Help them to act like men and be strong. That's what he wants them to do. Not cower away, but be strong. The church of Thessalonica needed to be strengthened. Paul wanted to help them. He couldn't be there, so he did the next best thing. He sent Timothy. He sent Timothy to help them to stand strong. Now, as we think about this, and as we think about Timothy going on this mission, What could Timothy do to strengthen their faith? How would he be able to strengthen their faith? I'm glad you asked that question. Romans 10.17 says this, Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Timothy did not go and say, Hey guys, good luck. We're pulling for you. (laughs) We're in your corner. He didn't do that. Timothy went back with the purpose of sharing with them the word of God. Because he knew the word of God, the proclamation of Christ, would strengthen their faith. That is how their faith would be strengthened. Not by pats on the back and attaboys, but by feeding them the word of God. That's what Paul sent Timothy to do. And that's what Timothy would do, is share that. So this is Paul's plan. This is what he's doing to send Timothy back there. Now, we notice Paul's plea in verse 3. So that no one may be moved by these afflictions. Paul doesn't deny. Paul doesn't make light of the afflictions that they find themselves in the midst of. Paul has faced a number of afflictions himself. 2 Corinthians 11, 
verse 21, the last part of verse 21, Paul shares some of the afflictions that he's been through. It says, but whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger of rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Paul says, I know what you're going through. I have t-shirts to show that I've been there and done that. I even have scars to show that I've been there and done that. As Paul is, is encouraging them and as Paul is sending Timothy to share with them, to exhort them, to build them up, Paul knows exactly what they need. This is what you need. This is what you've got to do. And this is what he did. And they would be strengthened with that. Well, how does he know that? Because that's what Paul himself had when he encountered those things. Faith in God. His faith was strong enough that he could endure those things, that he didn't turn away from those things. God had just shaped him and prepared him for the next thing. And that's what God, that's what Paul knows that Timothy's going to do as he goes and shares with them the word of God. Notice what he says in verse 3. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. When the church of Thessalonica was planted, there was hostility there. And the time that Paul was there, he saw the hostility. It was planted, the church was planted in a hostile area. There was persecution there, and that's why Paul had to leave, was because of the persecution. And Paul did not paint them a rosy bed. He said, there are going to be thorns. You can smell the flowers, but there are going to be thorns. He never tried to sugarcoat it. He never tried to hide from them. He said, there's affliction going on, and there's going to be more affliction that's going to take place. You know, that's what Jesus Christ shared with his disciples. That there's going to be affliction. There's going to be tough times. If you love me, the world hates you. And you are going to face tough times. He shared that with his disciples. He never tried to sugarcoat it and say, hey, you know what? It's going to be okay. I was heard about some guys who were talking and they were Marines. And they showed up for basic training. And uh, one of the Marines showed up for basic training with a surfboard. And the sergeant said, you will not be needing that. 
And he said, but the recruiter told me there would be surfing. <laughs> Not true. But he signed the dotted line, and once he got your signature, it doesn't matter if surfboards are allowed or not, you're in like Flynn. Paul did not do that. Jesus Christ did not do that. He shared that there would be affliction. And you know, as we, as we think about this, we live in a society now that continues to move away from God's moral standard. Day after day, it drifts further and further apart. It kind of scares me sometimes how I sound like my grandparents. I'll look to my kids and I'll say, back in my day. <laughs> and then I hear my grandpa. But society continues to change. Society continues to go the wrong way. The church has been labeled as intolerant. I was amazed this week on Wednesday or last Sunday night, I guess it was, Dick Chris bought me, a, bought me a newspaper clipping and it was talking about some things that are going on in the city uh, a long ways away from us that's not very near us. Uh, it's called uh, Lansing. Uh, There's some things that are going on and the whole point of this article was that uh, those who are labeled as part of the church, uh, anti-bias laws are really written opposed to the church and what the church believes. And this is nothing new. This is nothing new. It's going to be something that we continue to face. It's going to continue to come our way. And it, and it continues to come. And we think it's not going to, not in our lifetime. But ladies and gentlemen, we are there. It is in the midst of us. And this is what Paul is sharing with the church of Thessalonica. There's going to be affliction. And if you're going to stand on the word of God, if you're going to stand and your faith is going to hold strong, then you have to be prepared because it's going to come our way. And that's what Paul is sharing with the church of Thessalonica. And I think this is a great message for us too because it's going to continue to come. And the question is, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Verse 4 says this, For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. Paul says, we kept telling you and now you're seeing it take place. He doesn't sugarcoat it in any way. He says that it's here. It is time. So for the people of Thessalonica, they would need to stand firm. Paul continued to warn them when he was with them. He's warning them again. They would need to stand strong. Affliction was going to continue to come. In the New Testament, times of suffering and times of affliction are a given. And we see that. In, in, you know, we don't think about it being in the United States, but it's happening more and more. It's coming. We know that it's coming. It's promised that it's coming. Around the world, it's already there. But we see it coming now. And Paul's plea here for them is to stand strong. He says, don't be moved. Stand strong. Don't be moved. And that's what we've got to do, is make sure that we're not moved, that we're standing strong. And there's going to come those times when we have questions, when we have doubts. But we need to make sure that our faith, 
that our faith in Christ is solid, that it stands strong, and we are strengthened in our faith through the word of God. Now Paul lays out the purpose for all of this in verse 5. For this reason, when I could bear it, no longer. You see, Paul knew of the severity that they were facing. He knew of the severity of the affliction that was coming. And his heart hurt for them. And he could bear it no longer. He had warned them. He had shared his experiences. But he was concerned about them. Even though they had been told, how were they going to handle it? He wanted to go and to be there for them. And he could bear it no longer. He had to know how they were doing. And so he's sending Timothy. He's sending Timothy not because he didn't care, but because he cared. And there was no other way. So he sent Timothy. Verse 5 says, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. He wanted to learn how strong their faith was. He wanted Timothy to strengthen their faith so that they would be able to stand. If you have a chance today, go home and read Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the faith chapter. And there are some great heroes of the faith that are listed there. And you read about Noah, and you read about Moses, and you read about Abraham, and you think about some of the difficult things that they had to do. But you read by each one of them, by faith, by faith, by faith. How did they do, how did they overcome the impossible? By faith. How could they stand by faith? Because their faith was strong enough to stand. And as we look at the things that are going on in our world, we need to stand by faith. Just as Paul is telling them, your faith needs to be strengthened. He was worried about them. He wanted their faith to be strengthened. He was concerned about their faith. He knew the one thing they needed was to have their faith strengthened. By faith, they needed to stand. He could bear the suspense no longer, so he sent Timothy in to encourage them, to come alongside of them, so that their faith would be strengthened and they could stand. As I was thinking about this, and as I was thinking about Paul sending Timothy, don't we all need a Timothy? Don't we all need a Timothy to come alongside of us? Someone to come alongside of us and exhort us and encourage us, challenge us, so that when we are challenged, our faith would be strong. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 says this, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You see, sometimes in those moments of doubt, we can be tempted to wonder what God is doing in our lives. When we find difficult going, when we find that road that's, that's too difficult to hoe, we can think about changing, going a different direction, maybe start planting pumpkins instead. We can give up, we can give in in those moments. 
But we need strong. We need to be strong in our faith. We need to be strengthened. We need people like Timothy to come alongside of us and say, hey, you know what, kid? You got this. You can handle this. Let's walk together. We need that. We need someone to encourage us and, and challenge us. Paul ministered and, or mentioned here how Satan had hindered his efforts. He shared how Satan was tempting them to, to give up, to mail it in. Satan is alive and well, and he's still working, still tempting us, still wanting to shake our faith and, and make us question. We've got to be on the lookout. We've got to be aware. But we need to make sure that we're looking to Christ, looking to him to strengthen our faith so that we can handle the afflictions, so that we can endure the shaping and the purifying that God is doing in our lives so that we can overcome because victory is ours. It's promised to those who overcome. So there you have it. Paul's plan, Paul's plea, and Paul's purpose. So what do we take home from this? What do we apply to our Sunday afternoon? I think it's a great reminder that afflictions are going to come our way. Sometimes we hear and sometimes it's taught that if we're living the Christian life, then everything's just peachy pooching. You just have cream with your peaches all the time. But you know, that's not true. That's not true. Paul is warning the church of Thessalonica. It's not true. It's not true. Afflictions are going to come. And we need to be aware of that. We need to be reminded that afflictions are going to come. So we need to be growing in our relationship with Christ. We need to make sure that we're not moved. How do we do that? We need to be established. We need to be built up. We need to be strengthened. On our, in our Sunday school class, we are going through a study called Firm Foundations, and we're just seeking to firm up our foundation. And I know a church that I used to attend where we went through the book of Genesis. And I was telling Darcy yesterday, I'm so glad that we went through that study together. Because that has done so much to, to strengthen our foundation as far as creation and how creation happened. And in Sunday school, we're looking at creation right now. And it's just such a great reminder to see that God has created. And so when we hear all of these false teachings about evolution and, and all of that, we have that foundation that we can stand upon. And hey, I know that's not true because I have this foundation that I'm on. We need that foundation in every area of the Christian life so that when things come our way, we know that we can stand on the promises of God. That should be a song, shouldn't it? i got to write that. We can stand on those promises, but we can't stand on it if we don't know it. We've got to know it. We've got to know it. So we need to be established. And then you know what? We need to be established in our own faith. And then we need to be willing to come alongside others and say, you know what? I, I face the same difficulty. Been there, done that. I have a t-shirt. But you know what? God is faithful. God will carry us through. We just got to stand on him, trust in his word, and we can do this. And you know, as we think about our body of believers
There's been things that each one of us have been through, different trials, different difficulties, and we made it through. God hooked on to us and drug us through some of those things, but he got us through. And we can help other people get through those same things. And when the afflictions come and when we find ourselves weak in the knees and having difficulty standing on the word of God, we can have others gather with us and stand with us and say, thus says the Lord. We're in this together. We can handle this. This is what God has designed. This is God's purpose for us. We got this. We can do this. We must not be moved.